Welcome to Firm Foundation. In these times of shifting standards and faulty foundations, there is a solid place on which to build a victorious life. And that place is the Firm Foundation of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Your host for Firm Foundation is Brian Hudson, a Bible teacher, pastor, author, and producer of Life Enriching Media. Today, we're going to continue in this series we began entitled Leverage. Importing and exporting breakthroughs. Say, Lord, thank you. You've given me leverage. I import breakthrough. I export breakthrough. I like the sound of that, don't you? You know, you cannot give what you don't have. So how can we help someone, help them get breakthrough in, our, in their lives if we haven't had breakthrough in our lives? An example we gave last week was, again, Peter who said, silver and gold I don't have to a man who was lame at the gate, but what I have I give you in Jesus' name. Rise up and walk. So Peter had the power of God to offer to that man because Peter had learned back when he saw Jesus divide the fish and loaves and do a miracle of provision to feed thousands of people Peter then saw, and then before that, when Peter came back fishing and caught nothing, and Christ said, go back out, let your nets down for a catch. And Peter, even though he was a professional fisherman and had doubts about what would happen to Jesus, okay, at your word, at, I will go back out. And at that, the Bible says the fish hit that net. Net began to break. They called partners over and hauled so much fish in that they brought the boats to land and left everything to follow Jesus. Now, I want to also highlight the fact that he made enough money off that catch to be able to leave and follow Jesus. So Christ took care of Peter and Peter's family. It's good, it's good isn't it? So then that was, the, that was Peter importing breakthrough, and now we see him uh, in Acts 3 exporting it, to that man and his whole life and ministry after that was exporting blessing. So I want us to see that principle that leverage is a word we use in society. Leverage is using what you have to get something done. We know that in the mechanical sense, if it's a big rock to move or some object, you get a pole and you prop it somewhere and you get leverage to move that, that stone. So leverage is a word we understand. Today, my topic is stopped the drift. Say stopped the drift. What does that mean? Let's go to the first text. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. The Hebrews writer said, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Wow. Give the earnest heed to what we have heard, least we drift away. And hence the term stop the drift. You know, sometimes we drift. It's quiet in this, in this Presbyterian church, amen? <laughs> Whatever kind of church today, amen? Oh, Pastor, I've never drifted. We're going to do a line right here. <laughs> Cast out lines. No, 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 no. We're kind of ashamed of it. Amen. We don't say amen because... We don't want to say, we don't want to just be thankful and say, amen, I drifted. We don't want to admit to that. We have drifted. But when we drift, it don't mean you're lost. You're backslidden, in sin. 
it means you, you've, you've gone off the mark. And, and that we drift, as it said in the text plainly, because it, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. We'll come back to that, explore that. For a lack of giving heed, and giving heed isn't just it going into the ears. Giving heed is it goes into the heart. And it manifests in our actions. That's what giving heed is. Now, here's a, a point we'll make to you about we all face issues and difficulties and challenges, but watch this. Most of us do not need something new. Let it sink in. I need a breakthrough. Yeah, but the breakthrough isn't something new sometimes, many times, oftentimes. We need to remember what we have learned and recover what we have left behind. That's more the issue. We all like new things, new understanding, new revelation and all this. But sometimes it's not what's new that we need. It's something we need to remember. Say remember, remember. recover. That's our issue often. Second Corinthians chapter 13. Paul said this, New Living Translation. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Talking to believers. Examine yourselves. When you look at and study psychology or hear anything about it, you know that one of the most important factors of life is self-awareness. Proper self-awareness is so important to life. To be aware of, of course, your value, most of all, but be aware of where you are, what you need, because denial, we know, is a major problem in life. So we don't want to do denial. We don't want to, to demean ourselves and beat ourselves up, be condemning by saying that. He says, examine yourself. Just take a good look. And let that examination come through the filter of God's word, the lens of God's word. He says, test yourselves. So today, we're doing a self-test. Say self-test. You know, during COVID, isn't it good to say that COVID's behind? I mean, the worst part's behind. COVID's still here now, but it's good to the, the worst part's behind because of best practice, because of, uh, you know, safe and effective vaccines. Amen. You know, masking up all that. And to this day, we still are doing the right things. But the point is, we had self testing kits. First, it was hard to even get a test. And now, you know, all of us received, if you wanted one, uh, a, a kit to test yourselves. So text here says, test yourselves, test your, your faith, not that you believe in God or not. See, faith isn't just about do I believe or not. No, faith is about do I walk in what God said. Because faith without works is... So the test of faith is, am I walking in what the Lord has taught me? Here's another scripture, Mark chapter 9. We touched on this in our series, uh, previous series on the Beatitudes. Uh, Mark 9, 49, Jesus said this. He said, for everyone will be seasoned with fire. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, good in the way of helping us. It don't sound good, but it is good. 
seasoned with fire, with, and with every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Now, this is a reference to Leviticus chapter 2, where God told the Hebrews, with every offering, you offer salt with it. Let me know, salt seasons, salt preserves, salt is a medicine in some cases. The, the main point of salt is it influences, say salt influences. So the word salt, as is used in the text, really means that we are being influenced by God. Now, seasoned by fire, it means what it says, that the fire of God, the testings, the trials, the word of God, all the ways in God in which brings us, brings the heat, is to burn off of us the stuff we don't need. You know, I got a gold ring on, and, um, and this gold didn't start out shiny. It began in the ground, and they had to get it out of the ground. It was, it was all crusty and dirty. They had to melt the gold substance and, and, and melt out all the impurities. Only he can do that. Amen. Last I'm going through. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Only in the sense that he's burning some stuff off of you. You get to skim off the top. Once the heat comes and the, and the, melt, and, and the metal melts and the, and the impurities rise up or sink, they can scrape off the bad, scoop out the good. So everyone will be see Everyone will be seasoned with fire. And every sacrifice will be seasoned by salt. Watch this, verse 50. Salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? This part is strong here. Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. I found in our marriage of, of these low, low, these 43 years, amen, to have salt in myself because I find each spouse will find that any problem in your marriage is you, not them, you. The key is we all think the same way, though. See, we all realize the problem, the issue is in me. We each think that. We don't think, I don't think the problem is her. He said, have salt in yourself. So when the influence of God is in me, then he gives me leverage to see, to examine myself, to test myself. And it's amazing when you test yourself and examine yourself in God's light with the word of God, by the spirit of God, it's amazing what you see that needs to be corrected. Nothing dark and dangerous and deep. I mean just the sense that we want to come to a higher level. We want to do better. And so Jesus said, have salt in yourselves. That's, that's the secret to a long, happy marriage. Have salt in yourselves. Amen. Sounds kind of deep, but it's not. It is have God's influence in you. Enough of his influence where you can be self-aware self-correct, and be the best version of yourself. Say, hey, Father, help me be the best version of myself. That's all your spouse wants, all your friends want. 
all your, you know, just be the best version of you. Because you cannot be more than who you are. You can't be somebody else, but you can't be the best version of yourself. Y'all receive that? Let me give you a parable. Now, I've been doing something called astrophotography. I'm always into stuff. You know, y'all know me. I'm into stuff. I'm a photographer. And I like exploring different phases. Now, I'm into a thing called astrophotography. Now, parables are examples that Jesus used in nature. Jesus used wheat, tares, seed. He used fishing. He used yeast. He used hidden treasure, salt. I'm going to use an example from photography. So this, this slide here, I want you to see that these are some pictures I've taken recently in the background. But here's the, here's the scripture. Genesis 1.14 says, Let there be lights in the expanse of heavens to separate day from night, and let them be signs, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And the moon and stars do that for us. All right. Now, the parable I want to give you is, is how we go about taking pictures like that. Now, next slide shows you one of my telescopes. Now, a telescope at this level isn't just what you go by at Walmart. This is a one made for photography. And you see up here, I'm pointing items out. There is the big black part is the telescope. The small part on top is called the guide scope. The white part is the mount that moves everything. The red at the bottom is the actual camera, different kind of camera. It's a cooled camera. And so with this, with these tools, I can take these amazing pictures. Because when you magnify something a whole lot, the problem is the earth is moving. Now, you know this. If you have uh, had a telescope before, you, you look at something and it goes away. Right? It just kind of drifts because the earth is rotating. What the mount does, the white, the mount counteracts the earth's rotation. So when you, when you point at something, it stays there. Okay? That's one phase of it. My point to you, though, next slide, that guide scope is a whole other level. Because, watch this, this is important. I'm tying it into my message here. The guide scope is another camera. There's two cameras. There's a camera on the guide scope and a camera on the telescope. The Gyroscope camera sees the whole part of the sky, and it knows where the stars belong, because stars don't move. The telescope looks at one star or one object. What the Gyroscope is doing is correcting the motion of the telescope in a very incremental way, because without the Gyroscope, the slide you see on the left, when you zoom in close, even with the mount that's working, the, the earth will rotate enough where everything blurs slightly. Without a guide scope, you cannot get sharp picture. Like on the right side, without guiding, things are blurring. With guiding, things don't blur. The point I'll make to you, next slide is, the Holy Spirit is our auto-guider. Whatever you think you see, this is, this is, the Holy Spirit really sees it. Whatever you think you know, the Holy Spirit really knows it. 
And so the Holy Spirit is locked on the mind of God. Romans 8, 28 says this. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. It just means that the Holy Spirit knows what God wants. I think I know. I know a little bit or I know nothing. I never know all. Either I know a little, a lot, or none. <laughs> I never know it all. Amen. <laughs> and usually I just know a little. And often, I, and often I know nothing. But the Holy Spirit is like the guide scope. Always focused on the mind of God. It's amazing, y'all. And this actual photography thing is, 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 is heavy, y'all. It's, it's amazing. And the difference between getting those really close-ups of things is guiding, auto-guiding. So then, so the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. In verse uh, number two here, he helps us make corrections if we pay attention. Say, Lord, help me. Pay attention. The Holy Spirit, y'all, he will auto-guide. He'll help us if we pay attention. So then the leverage we're talking about today is we're going to stop the drift, okay? We're going to stop this drift and this blurring and this unclear aspect of life that we experience for not paying attention to the Lord. Amen. All right. Now, we talked last two years ago, did a series on Navigate. And you recall we discussed that navigation requires fixed points. And the same with, the, with that guiding scope I showed you. There's fixed points in the sky. Even though the stars, the star field moves because Earth moves, it knows where all the stars are. So, but the first in GPS, there's satellites, right? Your phone, your car locks on the GPS satellites, you, and it knows where you are. Well, in life, in life, the number one fixed coordinate is Jesus Christ. Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Point number one. Point number two is the word of God. The Bible, the scriptures are fixed points. Number three is objective truth and facts. You know, during COVID, we preached this. And that, you know, God made natural science. You're not going to pray away COVID. Folk that thought that, some are dead. You don't pray away science. Your prayer don't change science unless God does a miracle. So what God did was he gave us enough sense, put a mask on, get vaccinated. After they created vaccines, safe and effective vaccines. We got vaccinated, we got boosted, and it kept us, it kept us safe, alive. And then those who got COVID after all that, you didn't get sick from it, didn't die from it. So, so navigation points in life, in this world, Jesus, the word, objective truth, and facts. Please hear that. Objective means, let me explain to you. First of all, subjective means I feel like. I feel, that's subjective, how you feel. Objective is outside of you, bigger than you, the way it is. Amen, somebody? Amen. 
You don't have nothing to do with objective truth. Nothing to do with it. Other than to pay attention to it. Don't act a fool. As it concerns. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we say all that. I know people didn't understand what I said at the time. I hope you got it by now. But God in this life, Jesus, the word of God, objective truth and facts. I don't know about you, but I mentioned that all the time. I mentioned we have um, Sean here, respiratory therapist, nurse Ingram, registered nurse. And they got, they got the Holy Ghost all up in them. And they got objective truth and facts. They know their job. So we say this because when it comes to stopping the drift in our lives, we've got to pay attention to Jesus, the word, and objective truth and facts. Don't, don't just jump spiritual. I'm fire baptized. I'm fire baptized too. And I change the oil in my car. Every time it needs it. Most of somebody? Filled with the Holy Ghost. And I got life insurance. Doing some estate planning. Come on, somebody. See, these are things that, that God wants us to understand that when you read the Bible, you don't only get the spirit, you get, you get the natural. You get God talking to us about spirit, soul, body, finance, all that. All right. Got that. So here's a good point I'll make to you is that we never need to drift. Say, I never need to drift. Mm -mm. Number one, we do not drift when paying attention to the Lord and his word. That's what the opening text said. He says, let us give the more earnest heed so we won't drift away. So if I am paying attention, I won't drift. Number two, we always drift by not paying attention to the Lord and his word. Number three, what are the consequences of drifting? So what drifting looks like? Well, here are the consequences. It looks like low interest in the things of God. When I'm drifting, my interest in God's things are low. And number two, I have a higher interest in things of the world. Carnal. Now listen, I'm not saying we can't have interest in things of the world. Of course we do. But not more interest in those things than in God. That's what we're saying. Bible says God gave us all things richly to enjoy. Bible says that. And I enjoy things. I enjoy my, my stuff. Amen. But, but, but because I enjoy and serve God more than anything, he trusts me with things. Number three here, uh, drifting looks like offense at direction and correction. And number four, when we're drifting, we have a low level disobedience, meaning that we don't go out and get drunk, rob the bank. But we have low level, just little stuff we're not doing that we know God wants us to do. We're just not doing it. All right. So let's stop the drift. In many things like driving, drifting can lead to accidents and damage. Is that right? Distracted driving, we know about that. So drifting, we must stop the drift because it's dangerous, potentially. So when navigating, 
getting off course, starts small, but ends up diverging a long way off. So the yellow line shows the direction we should go. The white line at the beginning is at the same point as the yellow line, but because of a minor misdirection, it starts minor, but by the time we get to the ends of the lines, they're far apart. So the effect of drifting is it starts out so small, but it ends up where we're so far from where we should be. So let's stop the drift. Proverbs 10, 17 says this. This is a New English version. Accept correction and you will find life. Reject correction and you will miss the road. <laughs> you know, the Bible says also a uh, different version says reproofs of correction are the way of life. I told you my, my, my background in art school. In art school, man, we were corrected all the time. There was so much correction on so many things. It seemed to be overwhelming until I understood this is how you learn to craft. You learn to craft through adjustments, corrections, and all this. And so over time, you get to a point where we had the critiques, your stuff going on the wall. Everybody critiqued your work. Now, every artist in the room, now the, the janitor couldn't come in, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I mean, so it was, it, it was rough at first. And then you start to enjoy it because it makes you better. And to this day, I enjoy correction and adjustment from people who know what they're talking about. I always say, if you don't know, don't help me. If you know, help me. Because... He says, accept correction and you will find life. Reject correction and you will miss the road. Here's almost done here. All right, how to stop the drift. Number one, give heed to what you have heard and learned. See, I will give heed to what I have heard and learned. Number two, uh, let qualified people help you. Say that, let qualified people. Help me. Now, I mean to say, don't let unqualified people help you. Just stop them. Some, find some way stop them from talking to you, okay? Because you don't want them. They ain't helping. Just find some way. Just not, don't, don't be rude about it. Just find some way. <laughs> you, it, don't waste your time with folk about a subject who are not subject matter experts. Opinions don't do any good in some things. All right. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. See, a true friend knows things. A true friend has your interest at heart. Next, Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Got that? Philippians 4.13. Say this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That'll stop the drift. <laughs> when Christ is working in you. Next points here. Hebrews 10, 25, you can read that together. Read with me, please. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the manner of some, or habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day is the end times, the difficult days, which are here. So meet together, fellowship together. James 1, 21, read please if you can see it. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness 
and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. He's talking to believers. He said, lay aside filthiness. You know, believers get filthy sometimes. I mean, it's hard, you know, I, I, you know, you just, you ain't got to say amen to it, just a fact. And wicked. Now, not in the sense of becoming unsaved, but just out of order, so far off course to drift into crazy stuff, weird stuff. It happens. But he says, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. So the implanted word is this. It's not just the sermon you hear and say amen to. It's the sermon you hear, you go back and listen to it again, or take notes, or go back over the scripture. Some other way you apply what you have learned. It becomes implanted when you apply it. Final scripture, where we started. Hebrews 2 and 1, emphasizing the first part. He says, therefore, we must give, if I read, read with me, please. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. So, Father, help me to give more earnest heed, to pay attention to, to put in action what I hear, so I will not drift away. Thank you, Father. I can stop the drift and walk strong with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God some praise. Come on, bless him. Glory to God. Amen. Amen.